Liren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Samantha Ferraro of the Little Ferraro Kitchen, where the diversity of her Sephardic heritage, her love for global flavors, and the places she has lived, spanning from Brooklyn, the big island of Hawaii, Southern California, and now the Pacific Northwest, shines in the food she shares, whether it's on her website, media appearances, or publications. In 2019, Samantha released her debut cookbook, The Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen, inspiring countless cooks to bring a taste of the Mediterranean into their own kitchens. She's back with a new cookbook, One Pot Mediterranean, making weeknight cooking with Mediterranean flavors even simpler. I'm so excited to welcome Sam to the podcast. It's so good to see you. Thank you. First, can I just say that was the most beautiful introduction I have ever heard. <laughs> I was like about to like cry. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so beautifully written. You can oh just write God. all my media stuff from now on. Like, oh, I'm happy to be your cheerleader. It's so funny because I could see you out of the corner of my eye, your expression changing. I know. I mean, yeah, if, if everyone sees me on video, I'm very like animated in how I talk and express yeah. myself. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I was like, I hope this is okay. <laughs> this is lovely. Yes. <laughs> That's well, so thank great. you. Oh gosh, you're welcome. Okay, Sam, I always start by asking, what's the first thing you ever cooked and about how old were you? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I always talk about this and I probably talked about it in one of the cookbooks and probably on my website all the time. So I grew up with my mom's side being Sephardic. So they are Jews that have ancestry in Turkey and Spain. And there's a lot of influence in the food I grew up in. And there's two um, prominent recipes that I learned to make for, like, I don't even remember how young I was. And one of them is stuffed grape leaves, which is very common. We call them dolma. Mm -hmm. And the way my mom did it was super simple. It was just meat and rice in grape leaves steamed with some lemon slices, maybe some butter, which is funny because, you know, butter is dairy and dairy meat, but we never kept kosher. <laughs> Right, right. My mom did it. <laughs> and um, it's just one of my favorite things. And we eat it warm. So the um, the grape leaves are tender, but they still stay intact. And the meat and the rice kind of steam in the grape leaves. Yeah. And there's a very distinct smell. Like, you know, when you smell something and it just brings you back to your childhood, that briny smell of grape leaves, like opening from the jar and like rinsing the grape. It's very briny. Mm -hmm. And whenever I smell it, I'm like instantly brought back. <laughs> To my childhood. Um, so that's one recipe. And then the other one is called fasulia, which I always do a play off of, but basically it's a bean stew. And fasulia means beans in Turkish. And depending what recipe you, you use or where you go, you would see all different types of bean stew. Well, the one my mom did was green bean stew. So it's just like a tomato green bean stew. And she would put chunks of meat in there, like whatever meat, lamb, whatever, whatever was like the cheapest cut. And then you just like simmer it until the meat is really tender and the green beans are nice and vibrant. And then we would eat that with rice. And that's another smell, like the green beans with tomatoes is a very like reminiscent of my, of my childhood. I just love that. It's just very, yeah, it's just so comforting. Oh, I can imagine a little Samantha rolling up grape leaves. It's so yeah. cute. Yeah. And my mom was like very particular. She's like, you have to like, don't do it too thick and don't do it too long. And like, well, oh, you, you're, you know, you have the grape leaf the wrong way. It has to be like the shiny side down. So when you uh, roll it, you know what I mean? I was like, okay. And of course, like, you know, old school moms, like they do not measure. 
You know what I mean? So when I wanted to put the recipe on my website years ago, I was like, mom, like how much whatever rice? And she's like, oh, you know, you just add enough, but not too much. <laughs> just feel it. I was like, quit my feeling. If it's too, then you know. And she would say the same thing about latkes because we also make latkes. And I remember years ago, I was like, Mom, what's your latke recipe? Oh, you know, you add a few eggs in there. And if you need more matzo meal, you add a little bit more. But if it's too, you know, dry, you know, don't make it too dry. I was like, okay. Yeah. Can I? I have to ask you because I feel like everyone that I talked to had parents who cook that way. But do you think like the next generation will ever cook by feeling? I hope so. You know, I'll be honest. I've I've dreamt of having a website where I wouldn't have to measure, where I would just like, like my recipe would be like, oh, a shake of paprika, you know, a few garlic cloves. Like I would love to do that because I feel like that's how we we cook. We're not so focused on the exact amount of something. Like, I feel like you just have to feel it as you go. Like, just have fun with it. Like, oh, do you want some more? And plus, I feel like recipes are very, um, what's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word, but they're different for everyone. Like, some people might want more or less garlic. Some want it more mm-hmm. spicy. You know, it's what's the word? Subjective? Is that the right word? <laughs> Subject- subjective? Yeah, you know, I guess it is subjective. It's a personal preference, you know? So yeah. I always say, like, do what you like. You don't have to follow exactly the recipe. I mean, when it comes to, like, baking recipes, yeah. I think that's a whole other thing. Um, but for me, I don't know. I love kind of, like, the organic nature of just, like, adding things as I go. And, oh, this sounds good. No, this sounds good. I mean, it would take longer, I think, in the long run. <laughs> but, right. Because things aren't, like, exactly prepped out. But I kind of I, – I hope the next generation – you know, would be open to that. Yeah, I hope so too. At the same time, like, and you know, people are just going to change whatever you write. I know that too. And that's, I mean, we do when, you know, you and I write recipes and we, we write recipes to make sure that yes, these flavors are going to taste really good. Like we know that this, you know, this combination of measurements is supposed to taste really, really good and you're supposed to enjoy it. But if you want to tweak it like to your taste, I think that's different than like changing like a main ingredient. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm making, you know, a tofu stir fry, but can I add, I don't know chicken or just well it's gonna be different and cook longer and I don't know I'm just giving some weird examples yeah no no it completely makes sense okay we could talk about that all day okay, I know, I know. <laughs> let's back up okay tell everybody about yourself and what brought you to starting the little Ferraro kitchen because I've known you for a very long time we were talking yeah. a little bit before how we only met once this yeah. year and very briefly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was for like 30 seconds. Yeah. So um, I feel like you and I are part of like the OG bloggers. Mm-hmm. So I started the website in 2011. And at the time, most of us, I'm sure, were starting it just as like a hobby. And at the time, I was actually in, uh, no, I was, I was supposed to be a nurse. I was in nursing school. And it didn't work out for me. It didn't work out, but I was still going to college and I finished my degree in public education. But also during this time, I was kind of missing the foods and the culture um, that I grew up with because I grew up um, originally in Brooklyn, New York in a uh, Jewish family. And we moved to Hawaii and Southern California and I kind of felt a little disconnected. So it was kind of going through this like discovery period, (laughs) if you will. And when I started the website in 2011, uh, that's what I started to do. I started making those recipes that I missed so much, that fasolia, the latkes, like really classic recipes that I grew up with. And I was asking my mom and my aunt, I was like, how do you make this? 
And I just started doing that. And then as time was going on, I was getting messages and emails from other people that grew up in a Sephardic family. I was like, oh, my grandmother also made that. My mom makes it this way. My aunt makes it this way. Or, you know, or I, I grew up with, you know, the exact same thing. Like there's a recipe that I need to um, redo. It's called keftikas. And if you Google it, nothing pops up. Probably I'm the only one because that's what my mom called it. And basically it's a fried patty with leeks and ground beef. And I grew up on that. And I was like, where is, like, who makes this? And this person who also was uh, Sephardic Turkish was like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that is. We call it, um, I forgot what we call it, something espinaca, which is like spinach, keftes espinaca, spinach fritters. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so that was um, how it started. And I just kept doing it. I just kept sharing recipes. And then fast forward a few years in 2016, 17, we moved from Southern California to the Pacific Northwest. And I still have a website. And I chatted with a book publisher who was interested in doing a cookbook. And after a few conversations, we uh, agreed to do a Mediterranean cookbook, which is recipes and flavors that I naturally make all the time anyway. And I just kept doing the website. And then from there, it kind of blossomed into different things. I love um, um, getting someone excited about cooking and flavors. And I do that through social media videos and cooking classes. And now my second cookbook. So yeah. it's been a really fun venture. And um, actually, I don't know if you know this, but through, um, up until last year, I had a full-time job the whole time. And it wasn't, yeah. So it wasn't until last year. And I was working, um, so I was, I worked at the cheese department at Whole Foods. I worked at Whole Foods for like Oh, no, I didn't know that. I did. Yeah, you that. did. I think you did. And I came home. I was like, my husband, Joe, I was like, Joe, I was like, we need to, you know, I can't do both because <laughs> things were starting to happen with Wolf Road Kitchen, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm a little behind, you know, the other people who started at the same time. And last year I left my job of eight years and I'm doing low for kitchen full time. And I'm, and I feel like I'm behind compared to my other colleagues who also started, but it's been amazing. And that's where I'm at. Now I have the second cookbook. I'm still cooking my butt off. I love it. And I'm finding things that I really enjoy, like video, like this, like talking, meeting new people, meeting old people. <laughs> I just, I just love it. I'm just really happy. Well, for the record, you are not behind. We all have our own journeys, our own paths. I Here's That's the true. thing. I think we all feel that way. Yeah. Oh, you're not behind. You're on your second book, girl. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I still have, I love your first book, The Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen. I have to just tell everybody that your recipe for stuffed eggplant with meat and tahini, um, I shared it on my yeah. website when- yeah. You first, you know, I wanted you to promote. That. Oh, you're really welcome. Cool. Yeah. Happy to do it. But guess what? It's thank you because it has become a family favorite. My husband will always say, Can you make that eggplant dish with wow. the pomegranates? And the, you know, you. I make it very often. Sometimes he will bring home eggplants and be like, Please make it for me. So. Yeah. I'm actually buying eggplant today because I'm craving that as well, like a roasted eggplant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, delicious. Please share quickly your tips for picking perfect eggplant. So, okay, well, I mean, I'm not an expert, but what I look for in a really good eggplant is that I look for, well, let's talk about globe eggplant, like those kind of, um, the ones that we normally find in the grocery store, mm -hmm. the dark purple black eggplant. So I look for a nice smooth skin 
and there should be no blemishes and or kind of like wrinkly that might mean that's a little dehydrated and a little mm. old so it should be really nice and shiny almost look like leather in a well like a smooth leather or patent leather yeah patent leather <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah patent leather remember those yes <laughs> patent leather shoes when i was little and um uh, it should feel heavy for its size. So if you were to pick up like one or two, it might feel like it has a little bit more give to it when you pick it up. And my, actually my friend told me this trick, but I, I, I have the note somewhere, but if there is, I think it's like, if there's like a little slit on the bottom where the root is, it's supposed to mean that there's less seeds. So it will be less bitter. Oh, I'll look yeah, for that. I might have to come back to you and tell you the, because she told me and I was like, oh, that's so smart. And I've been picking eggplant like that ever since. Huh. So that's what I look for. I mean, I don't, well, when I make eggplant parm, I'm like very specific. Like when I, I always peel the eggplants because I always feel like the skin of the eggplant cooks differently than the flesh of the eggplant. Mm. So um, I always do that depending on what I'm making. But for like a stuffed eggplant, I just, you know, like roast the whole thing or I cut it in half and I roast it. And another tip that I like to share is that eggplant has a lot of moisture in it. So it does need to cook for a yeah. good amount of time to really get soft. Cause I mean, you don't really want to eat raw eggplant. The texture is so different. Yes. But when you roast it or grill it or smoke it or char it, you really want to start collapsing, you know? So all that flesh kind of gets yummy and charry and soft and delicious. Yeah. I love that. I love that mushy flavor. So. I do too. Uh, okay. So I love a one pot meal. So when I saw the title of your new book, I knew that it would be a home run. So tell everyone how the second book came about. So the second book, I mean, it's not that as exciting, but it was definitely another conversation that we had with the same publisher mm -hmm. because at the time I was leaving my full-time job and I was ready to take on another big project. And they did ask me about a second book a few years ago and I wasn't ready, but this time I was ready. And we had a few conversations and we were talking about one pot cooking. I thought, oh, I, I love one pot cooking. I, I love braises and soups and rice and chicken dishes. I was like, actually, yes, like, let's do that. And we ran with that idea and we kept all those Mediterranean flavors. So I kind of like to say that um, one pot Mediterranean is kind of an extension from weeknight Mediterranean kitchen because weeknight Mediterranean kitchen is kind of like an introduction to adding like Mediterranean flavors to your weeknight meals. But now the one pot, we're kind of extending that a little bit and we're taking all those beautiful flavors those spices, those proteins, those herbs, and we're just making it in one pot. So something I shared with um, another episode, another um, episode I did was that even though it's one pot, it's not a throw it all in and walk away. You know, it was really important for me to share um, layers of flavors and building flavors. So, for instance, we're searing short ribs. We're searing the chicken to get that really good golden crust, to get that sear, to get that fond on the bottom of the pan that you can then scrape up with a liquid. And then that's going to be like this initial layer of flavor for the whole dish. And then you add everything else. You add vegetables and rice and, you know, you saute your spices and then you pop it in the oven. You cook it. And then when you serve it, it's all in one pot. Right. So that's less cleanup, more flavor. <laughs> exactly. And there are a few recipes where while something's in the oven, you might want to add like a tahini sauce to it or a yogurt sauce or some chopped herbs. And that was something else I was asking readers and other just people. I was like, if is it okay that if I'm, you know, if you're making a one pot dish, 
you know, is it okay that you take out another bowl to whisk tahini sauce or yogurt sauce? And most people said yes. And I said, okay, good. Because it's just another addition. You don't need it. Right. Like I have a recipe for um, uh, like a one pot, obviously one pot, (laughs) (laughs) za'atar chicken and potatoes. And then I made like this harissa tahini on the side. Well, the chicken and potato dish is delicious on its own. But if you want to add another creamy element to kind of drizzle over, you can make that while the chicken's cooking. Yeah. Well, you touched upon flavors. I did notice that you really go into some amazing like spices and ingredients. So let's talk about what makes a solid Mediterranean pantry. Are there spices that everyone should be, you know, making sure is in their cabinet? I was just thinking about this. That's so funny. So (laughs) that is something I want to share on. Well, I shared this in the first cookbook. So if anyone has my first cookbook, Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen, there's a whole section in the beginning of that book uh, describing all the different spices and the recipes that go with it. So if you're not familiar with a spice, it's a good resource to look at and be like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to taste like. This is what it's going to do. So I always say, well, first of all, I always say, if you're not familiar with something, it's okay. But if you want to try something new, buy one new spice and just try it on something you're familiar with and then see how you feel about it. So that's like my my number one tip. But for me, like a Mediterranean spice pantry, my go-to spices are smoked paprika because it gives a beautiful color. It gives a really nice smoky depth of flavor. And it's good on just about any protein that you add it to. And if you don't like the smoky flavor, then sweet paprika is a, a great go-to. I do a few shakes on chicken, on salmon, on veggies. It's just one of my favorite spices. Um, I also love cumin, which is really um, earthy and also kind of, I mean, not really smoky, but it kind of gives you that like earthy depth of flavor. And that's um, also really delicious. I also love sumac, which is very bright and citrusy. And you'll find sumac in a spice blend called Zatar. Mm-hmm. And you can buy most, honestly, like a lot of these spices are becoming really well known and really accessible in any, you know everyday grocery stores. So just like hit up your spice aisle in your grocery store and I'm sure they will have it. And if not, um, it's okay. I can give you some substitutions. Yeah. Uh, And then turmeric is another favorite. It also gives a beautiful color. Uh, They call it like poor man's saffron. And it also has this like earthy flavor. But to me, a little goes a long way. You don't need to like go overboard on it. But I would say off the top of my head, those are like all my go-to spices. And if you have any of those or any combination of those, you can make so many different things. Yeah. Speaking of turmeric, your turmeric spice short ribs with red wine and dates look incredible. I have to make that. One of my favorite, I I can't pick favorites, but I love short ribs. Like short ribs is one of my favorite cuts of any protein. And those were delicious because short ribs are really kind of fatty and beefy. And then you cook it with these kind of sweet dates and like that warm pepper and turmeric. And it's just such a fantastic combination. Okay. I know that's going to be the new favorite. I'll be making that again and again. So I cannot wait to try that. Okay. Now, since you live in the Pacific Northwest, we have to talk a little bit about the seafood because you have so much amazing seafood. So tell everybody about, I'm so excited about this one, your sheet pan salmon shawarma. Oh, okay. So one of my 
uh, I would say one of my most cooked recipes that I was aware of in my first cookbook was my weeknight chicken shawarma or everyday chicken shawarma. Mm. And I have always kind of dreamt of like making that marinade, like bottling it somehow. And it's such a fantastic combination of flavors. There's bright lemon, there's garlic, there's a slew of spices. It gives anything a beautiful color. And um, I do it all the time. Like I've made it with, uh, uh, what do you call it? Cauliflower. I've done it with zucchini. I've done it with different cuts of beef and chicken. I've grilled it. I've sauteed it. (laughs) I have used that marinade on everything. And with salmon, I actually have a similar recipe on my website for a salmon shawarma salad. And I pour kind of like this like creamy dill sauce on top. And it's just such a delicious combination. But that beautiful piece of salmon. So we're lucky because we do live in the Pacific Northwest. And we are surrounded with, you know, gorgeous wild caught salmon. We also get a lot of Alaskan wild salmon. And we probably eat salmon, honestly, like two or three nights a week. Like, (laughs) I probably have like the best omegas in my bloodstream. Yeah, you do. (laughs) eat so much salmon and other seafood too like halibut is really uh when in season is is around here and there's also local prawns local shrimp here like we're just so we're just i'm just so excited when i eat local and the salmon shawarma is a really easy i would say easy recipe to make on a weeknight because you have this beautiful filet of salmon and you brush on this marinade which you can make ahead of time and really I always say like seafood shouldn't cook for more than like maybe 12 to 15 minutes. So the salmon that I shared in the book is a longer filet of salmon. So it's a little bit thinner and it takes like 10 minutes to cook, mm-hmm. like 400 degrees, pop it in the oven, like 10 minutes, you have dinner, maybe serve it with some salad or like rice, maybe some pita bread. And like, that's it. Like dinner is ready in like 20 minutes. That's just and, what I need. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so flavorful because you have all these different layers of flavor and the fresh salmon. And it's just, uh, I'm like drooling right now. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So when your book comes out, it will be summer. Um, And for me, summer cooking is all about simplicity and freshness, which essentially is Mediterranean cooking. So, okay, like let's say I had some people coming over. What should I make from your book? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, I have to like go through my my um my recipes well i do think a great introductory recipe is the cover recipe so the cover recipe Mm. is a kind of a greek inspired chicken and rice dish and i feel like everyone likes chicken and rice you know um, assuming they eat meat (laughs) and it's just a simple flavorful colorful recipe and you can make it in a dutch oven brazier which is a shallow but wide dutch oven which is great for one pot cooking when it comes to proteins and grains because it's not Um, It's not trapping in too much moisture, but it's also keeping everything really tender. And it's also beautifully presented. Like you can make this whole dish and you take out the whole Dutch oven and you just like plop it in the middle of the table. Maybe you have a nice salad on the side and maybe some pita bread or a dip or something and just have everyone help themselves. And I just think it's just a really fun kind of communal recipe to share but I think the cover recipe is really delicious it's a really good flavored colorful simple easy everyone likes it recipe I was just thinking if hey if anyone's getting married this summer like oh. a perfect gift would be a beautiful brazier it looks like you use the Le Creuset one a lot in your in your book and a copy of your book and then you're done how great would that be I think that's fantastic we need to get Le Creuset on board yes okay Le Creuset <laughs> 
I wonder if my contact is still working there. It's oh, really? That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So fun fact to close things out. Oh. You were the Los Angeles Times food oh. holiday baking winner. Wow, you did your homework. <laughs> I did. What did you make? Why was it so awesome? That was really cool. So when we lived in Southern California, which was before we lived here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, I submitted my recipe for rugla. So rugla is a traditional, you, yeah, I think you made it a few times too. Yeah, or yeah. A twist on it. So rugla is a traditional Jewish cookie. And some people make it different, but it looks like a little mini croissant. It's a rolled cookie. And the dough has uh, cream. Well, the way I make it has cream cheese in it and butter, which makes it very decadent and delicious. Some people put sour cream in it. It depends who is making it. And even Israeli um, rugla, I think, is a yeasted dough, which I haven't made yet, but I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way I made it is, is the way my grandmother made it. And unfortunately, I didn't get her recipe before she passed away. But it was really um, important to me to like make regla because I, again, I was doing my discovery period. <laughs> so <laughs> those, those recipes. And anyway, but um, it was a holiday cooking contest and I made this Jewish cookie, but the filling was a blackberry and pistachio filling, or I'm sorry, black cherry and pistachio mm -hmm. filling. And the combination of flavors is delicious, but also I was kind of playing off of the Christmas colors. So I was kind of bringing these two cultures together, you know, this Jewish cookie with these Christmas themed, you know, colors for this holiday contest. <laughs> and at the time, oh my gosh, what was his name? He was the editor of the food. Oh gosh, I can't think of it. But he was the editor of the food like section of LA oh. Times. And yeah. he emailed me and he was like, you got the highest score ever at the time. I was like, what? Wow. And the the chefs of LA Times will remake your recipe. Like that's how they're judging it. They're remaking all of these submissions. And then they're, they, I don't know, lay it out with people that work there and they test it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's really, really cool. And the the prize was we were invited to the LA Times test kitchen. They gave us a tour, a little photo shoot. And it was just such a fun experience. And I met actually some bloggers who I still chat with now. And um, I can't think of her name, but she uh, actually wrote um, a little verbiage thing for my first book because she's one of the food editors. And uh, it probably says it on my book. Jen Harris. Yes, she is awesome. <laughs> follow her Instagram. She shares the best food of LA. Like she's huh. fantastic. She was so nice to write me a little, a little shtick on my first book. So oh, yeah, it was awesome. just really, really cool. And I, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I, I like show. <laughs> it was really cool. Fun memories. I just love things like that. And I see it here as an example. Food brings people together and yeah. Lifelong relationships come out of it. Okay, yeah. before I let you go, I have some really quick, rapid fiery type of closing. Oh my questions. gosh. Oh my gosh Are you ready? No. <laughs> What's something <laughs> that you make when you're too tired to cook and you need an emergency go to dinner? Oh, honestly, roasted salmon. Yeah, roasted salmon. I will put some citrus on there, maybe some harissa or just salt and pepper, roast it, serve it. I'll have my rice cooker going because, you know, I used to live in Hawaii. So we have yeah. that rice cooker and <laughs> that's dinner. <laughs> Perfect. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Oh, I honestly, I would say the fasoya that we talked mm -hmm. about, the green bean stew. It's so simple, but every time I smell it, you know, yeah, anyway, it just, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very near and dear to me. I love those kinds of comforting yeah. recipes. Are you messy or neat in the kitchen? My husband would say I'm messy, 
but I do like to uh, kind of clean as I go. Like, if, like I will wipe the counter down, but the dishes will be everywhere. Like I'll use like 20,000 spoons to taste something. I don't know why I'm the only one here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. What, am I, what am I doing? <laughs> good practice though. Good practice. Yes. What's a good kitchen tip that you can share? Oh, my kitchen. Well, my cooking tip would be to always dry your proteins before you're, you're seasoning them or searing them. That's one of my big, I guess, pet peeves, any kind of protein, chicken, pork, fish, whatever, take some paper towels, mm -hmm. give it a good dab on there and then season it. And I'm telling you, your seasoning and your searing would be, it will be so much better. Yeah. Cause otherwise it might get steamed. <laughs> it's natural moisture and it can yeah. steam and you won't get that beautiful sear that we were talking about. Excellent tip. No one's mentioned that yet. Um, <laughs> when I was really good, I used to share, I still try to, five little things on my site, something oh, that I loved yeah. that week. Is there anything that made you smile this week? Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, what is something that makes me smile this week? You know, I am happy that it's um, sunny here. <laughs> this week. No, I'm serious because I, uh, you know, I, I used to live in Hawaii and Southern California and this winter was my first winter at home and it was very gloomy in the Pacific Northwest. And this week has been beautiful and I am just loving it. We are grilling every day. We had an outdoor pizza party the other night with some friends and it just like hugs your soul. It's, it was just really, really fun. So I'm really happy about the weather this week. Oh, good. I'm glad you're getting some sun. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Sam, I could have talked to you all day. This is so much fun. We need to talk more often. Where can people find you and your new book? Well, you can find me all over the web. My website is littleferrarokitchen.com. You can find me all over social media. I'm on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen. I'm on Facebook at The Little Ferraro Kitchen. YouTube uh, I, I think it's Little Ferrara Kitchen as well. And you can find my book at any major book retailers. So on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and your local bookstore can support local. <laughs> yes. Well, I cannot wait to cook from it. I have so many bookmarked already in my mind. <laughs> so I cannot wait. And yeah, thanks for spending time with me Thank today. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Oh gosh, I'm glad. Yay. <laughs> thanks, Lauren. You're welcome. Do you ever feel as though you can sense someone's personality through their food? I genuinely feel that way when it comes to Samantha. Her zest for cooking and bold flavors really shines in her recipes. And I am so excited to cook from her new book. I already know we're going to have some new family favorites. I'm not kidding when I tell you her recipes have become part of our regular rotation. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Samantha, and if you did, I would love if you could please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend, and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking!